It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by the new film Captain Fantastic, starring Viggo Mortensen. He raised his family off the grid until they had to go on the road. Washington Post proclaims Captain Fantastic saves the summer. It's the New York Times critic's pick. Vanity Fair calls it heartwarming and offbeat. Entertainment Weekly declares it sweet and funny. Rolling Stone says Viggo Mortensen is magnificent. And New York Post raves it's one of the year's best movies. Captain Fantastic, now playing in select theaters. Welcome to Screen Talk. Um, Eric Cohen is on vacation, Suzanne Thompson, and I'm welcoming our film editor in New York, Kate Erbland. Hello, Kate. Hi, Anne. So uh, you had uh, the pleasure, I think, because I enjoyed reading what you wrote, of going off to this sort of Star Wars convention in London. Will you please explain what that was and why you were there? Um, So Star Wars Celebration is an event that they actually... um, they first started in 1999 uh, in preparation for the release of episode one. So, as you know, it was the first Star Wars movie to, to be out in many years. And in the interim, it hadn't been an annual event until about five years ago because, you know, they weren't making a Star Wars movie every year. But it's basically, imagine Comic-Con, but it's just for Star Wars. It's very dedicated to the fans. It's sort of a wonderful atmosphere. There's all kinds of things to do. There's all sorts of panels, uh, one of those huge convention floors where you can buy anything you've ever wanted, an autograph hall. And now as the Star Wars universe is expanding, there's obviously a lot more stuff to cover. And even though Star Wars isn't, you know, my number one thing, I actually had a really great time. Well, there's a good vibe surrounding all of that. These people, I mean, if we go back in history... What's sort of interesting about George Lucas and Lucasfilm is that they were one of the first companies to sort of figure out that they could market directly to the fans. And back in the early, early days of Comic-Con, when it was really a comic book convention on a very small scale, and I used to go, you know, very early on in the early 80s, um, you, you, you would have uh, Star Wars booths and, and events, you know, for the fans, and, and they got that. And uh, in a way that uh, the rest of the world eventually caught on to. And I mean, I think one of the things about Celebration this year is, you know, as I'm, I'm going as a journalist, I'm going as press, and of course I'm hoping for lots of big news. There wasn't any big news announced that we didn't already know about. I mean, they brought out the new young Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich, who we already knew was going to be young Han Solo, but he was sort of officially announced. And even though on a journalistic level, it's a little depressing to not have anything big to report. The overall like feeling and tone was so wonderful and excited and looking towards the future that, I don't know, I just had a great time. 
<laughs> so you you and I have both been enthusiastic about a movie that's been out for a while, which has already grossed like $52 million, which is sort of amazing, uh, a movie called The Shallows. And I, I know that it's not, strictly speaking, you know, one of these up from under indie movies that were that IndieWire, people think IndieWire is interested in. But the truth of the matter is that you and I are both interested in directing talent. We're interested in finding people who know how to play with the medium. And you, uh, you interviewed um, uh, the director. Ta- mm-hmm. Tell me about what you learned. I mean, one of the things that we talked about, and this is stuff that I this think... This is how... Pronounce his name for me. I believe it's... it's Someone told me it's something like pajamas, like jammies. Jammy, call it Sarah? That's correct. That's there right. There we go. Um, you know, for a movie like this that, you know, it's one location, it's pretty much one person, there's a, a giant CGI shark swimming around. Like, how do you make this sort of narrative really compelling? And what we talked about a lot are that so many of his movies have this sort of confining concept. Like he's done all these movies with Liam Neeson, you know, one takes place on a plane and how he works with, you know, constraints that other people and other directors might not really be able to tap into and find the actual drama and the humanity in them. And he does. And in this one, he does it with a CGI shark and Blake Lively and a seagull. And it's extremely entertaining and I think that I agree. Yeah, yeah, he knows what he's doing and he knows what he's good at. And I think The Shallows is just a continuation of that kind of thing in an entirely new atmosphere. What's interesting is that it's one of the first things that it was developed by Mike DeLuca, who a lot of people in the industry sort of give a lot of credit to as as just being one of the more innovative and filmmaker uh, savvy uh, development and production executives and producers out there. And he's been attached to all sorts of, of great things. And he moved away from Sony over to Universal uh, when Tom Rothman took over. But this was one of the movies that he was championing. And it's a $17 million movie. It's amazing, actually, that they did it on such a small scale. There's a lot of sort of rough, I would suggest, CGI. <laughs> there's a there's one shot where Blake Lively is is surfing where you really do see the face sort of, you know, frozen onto somebody else's body. And I spoke to the producers. um, uh, Lynn Harris used to be, you know, she she worked with uh, DeLuca back in the day at New Line and she used to be at Warner Brothers. And uh, she she and her her husband are married and they're working together in a new production company and they very much had to roll up their sleeves and find this extraordinary beach which was really an isolated beach that no one had ever shot on that would give people some visual uh you know reality authenticity to sort of hang on to and and yet they were combining it with a lot of of cgi on a very limited budget and but the the idea of staying at the beach that was the key right yes and i mean in the film uh, blake lively's character does talk to her father and her sister um using basically facetime and so the way that, that was like, a bit of a stretch, given that the real location had no right. uh, <laughs> access gonna, at all. Yeah, you're going to have this like seamless, like FaceTime where there's like no <laughs> lag. But that's kind of weaved in in its own way. But, you know, they were, for, on a, they were in an island in the middle of the ocean right. out of Mexico somewhere. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so it's just so we talked 
a lot about that in our interview about how important it was to stay in one location, but you do have to do things like have Blake Lively's character, Nancy, engage with other people so you get a bigger sense of who she is. And, and, I mean, the, I, and the gull, the seagull. The seagull. Oh, my God. This, like, fantastic seagull that just, you know, he kind of, he acted. He was an acting seagull. He's he was my, brilliant. I mean, it was a, the equivalent of, of, of Tom Hanks's, uh, you know, soccer ball, uh, right. you know, basically, in, uh, in the Robinson Crusoe movie. And I mean, apparently there were, you know, three different seagulls that they were trying to use. And this one seagull that is in most of the shots was, you know, called Sarah called him the Marlon Brando of seagulls. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, basically what we're seeing here is, is the kind of movie that Hollywood doesn't make anymore. You know, everybody talks about the, the gap between the tiny indies and, you know, the micro budgets and then the huge tent poles. And of course the studios are in the business of, of making tent poles. But one of the reasons why Comic-Con has a very few, very, very few big Hall H panels devoted to movies this year is, is that there aren't that many tent poles. You can't make that many of them. You can't make your entire slate out of tent poles as much as they seem to be trying. And, and so it is movies like this that can sneak through and, and make an impact with audiences. Well, I mean, like this sort of the mid-budget, you know, anything. It's not even, you know, years ago people were talking about there's no mid-budget dramas. But something like this, which is technically like a mid-budget action movie, that stuff doesn't exist. And then something like this comes out and everyone's like, oh, yeah, we can have a great time with this. The studio can make money. Why aren't we making more of these? Maybe, and the studios yeah. have so much money to yeah. spend. You know, what does it do? You know, what, what risk did, did they take with this? And, and also, this is not the kind of movie that, this is the kind of movie only a studio can make. This is not a foreign sales driven, we can sell Thailand and Japan, you know, kind of thing. It isn't like that. It, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, Blake Lively doesn't have that kind of, of bankability yet. Although I thought she was good casting. She's smart. She's supposed to be a doctor. Um, and she's a strong woman. She's healthy and athletic and fit. Looks good in a bikini, I grant you. But the, <laughs> the audience is women for this movie. Yeah. And the yeah. audience is there. There's, there's <laughs> tons of women. It's, we're half the population. I want to see a movie like this. I, you know, there doesn't have to be a seagull. There doesn't have to be a shark. There doesn't have to be huge action. But I want to see something like this. And I'm so happy that the shallows exist. And I think six months ago, I don't know if I, I would have said that because it seemed a little silly, but then you see it and it's fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, te- I'm definitely with you there. So, so the, the other movie that's opening uh, this weekend that's coming up is Star Trek Beyond, which uh, you missed, I, missed. Uh, I, I gather. But um, I can say without reservation, as an unapologetic Trekkie, I grew up with the series. I watched them all. I, I loved them all, all the different captains, male or female. Um, and I really like this movie. It's very much going back to uh, under the under the aegis of, of Justin Lin, stepping in uh, for longtime screenwriter, partner, producer, uh, 
uh, Roberta Orsi um, mm -hmm. in the director's chair. Um, so he, you know, it's it's basically a a a step back to the analog universe. Remember when you used to watch Star Trek and and everybody was sort of stumbling around on big rocks, you know, made a out of, of styrofoam on a, a planet. Large rocks, yeah. <laughs> That's what this is like, <laughs> you know, with a lot of hand-to-hand -hand combat and so basically they're they're jumping around on the planet and and in teams, you know, so you have you <laughs> and the funny funny comic relief comes from uh, Carl Urban as oh. as Bones as, as, as Jim, damn it, Jim! <laughs> he just keeps saying, "Damn it, Jim!" And I would I would just sit there laughing helplessly every time he did it, and he did it over and over again. Um, but I, I have to say it was the most enjoyable one. I loved the first reboot. I did not like the last one, which suffered yeah. from pixelation. Uh, oh, excess. So I thought Justin Lin was on the right track. And I did sit down with Justin Lin. It was really fun to talk to him. I'd never met him before. And I do have to post my video, Kate. Yes, I will. <laughs> I will do it um, today. <laughs> but the uh, I think I, I'm curious to see what the box office is like, whether this, you know, is the right direction to go for what the audience wants. The, pro the prognosis is good, but but we will see. Well, I mean, and also they've already announced that they're making a fourth movie. And I feel like in the announcement alone, it's very much hinted at what we can expect, which is the return of an unexpected character. Mm, what does that yeah. mean to you? Well, I mean, saying that they're going to be bringing back Chris Hemsworth as Chris Pine's father. So, I mean, maybe we're going to finally get some real Star Trek time travel in there and, you know, blending universes, which they've already done, sort of, you know, crossing the wires of you know making their own timeline and I think it looks like maybe we're going to be doubling back in a way that I'm really excited to see and I still I mean I'm going to try and go see Star Trek Beyond this weekend I really want to catch up like you I was a huge fan of the first reboot film um, not so much a fan of the second but I've been hearing good things about this one and I'm eager to see well and they've I got think, the yeah. characters right yeah, they've got exactly. the characterized and 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 it's Simon Pegg um, who's who's one of the um, the writers on this, and there uh, obviously he gets all the characters. He's a yep. we all know he's a talented uh, actor, writer, uh, director, and he um, wrote it uh, with this other writer who actually um, makes a cameo in oh. in the movie, and uh, and and he's basically his name is Doug Jung, and he is playing the husband of John Cho's character, Zulu. Okay. Oh, okay. So I have to say, I have to admit that when I watched the movie, this sort of went right by me. I'm a, I, I, maybe I'm just stupid, but apparently what they did was they, there, there's a moment where, when, as soon as someone explained it to me, I, I remembered what it was, but there's a moment where um, Mr. Zulu goes down to this plant, you know, this spaceship, you know, in space that they're mm -hmm. all visiting, this huge, beautiful designed um, sort of globe in the middle of space, and it's like this enormous 3D circular city. It's stunning in its design. But anyway, he gets off the ship and the Enterprise, and and he greets uh, another Asian man, and there's a little kid, and and you know I didn't pick up on the fact that this is his husband, and he's played by by the writer. They couldn't get anyone to play a gay Asian 
man. So, so they hired, they put the screenwriter in there. Well, it's um, interesting to hear you say that because, I mean, this was like big news a couple weeks ago when it started coming out that John Cho Sulu was going to be gay. And I do wonder how much of, you know, a sort of fuss would be made about it if this news hadn't already been out. They made a decision to leak it. They actually checked it with John Cho. John Cho was happy to play a gay Zulu, but he recognized that the original actor would not go for it, and he didn't. He right. actually complained that it wasn't true to uh, the the encyclopedia, you know, the, 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 the rules. Exactly. And, and Roddenberry, you know, didn't write him that way, and he played him straight, so uh, George Takai. So, so I think the, um, it's really, but what they did do was they cut a kiss. There was a kiss. Mm. Oh. So that would have been a little more obvious. Yeah. This sort of goes, it could be his brother. It could be right. his, 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 you know, cousin. I mean, who is this man mm-hmm. if you're not looking for it? Right. But that was a nice, I'm, I'm glad they did that. I think it's no, great. I am too. Yeah. And, uh, and then it, it debuted at Comic-Con, which is opening today on Thursday. <laughs> so Wednesday night was the debut, the premiere of Star Trek Beyond and a big open air uh, Coliseum-like thing with fireworks and uh, a lot of bells and whistles, and they did uh, the first. It was the first big IMAX outdoor uh, premiere, and they did do uh, a, a minute of silence for Anton Yelchin, who J.J. Uh, Abrams has said is not going to be replaced as Chekhov. So. I don't know what they're going to do there, but uh, it was uh, our our colleague Liz Shannon Miller was down there, and she's going to be covering Comic Con, and you and I are not. No, <laughs> <laughs> you're smiling. <laughs> uh, I've been I've covered Comic Con once, and I don't want to make any big pronouncements because who knows? But once was uh, a lifetime for me. I've done it many, 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 many times. And I often say how much I hate it and how I don't want to go back. And the reason I go back every year until now, um, because we have a team of people down there, so I don't have to. Um, But uh, the the reason I, I go is because I do love being in Hall H, getting that sort of priceless experience of seeing the footage for the first time on all these movies and seeing the panels and just reading the language up there, just looking at people's faces and figuring out what's going on. Um, And also I I sometimes get to sit in the VIP area in Hollage, which means that I have to get a pass and I have to get, get a, I get a hold of the pass for each individual panel. (laughs) And then I have to, but when you get in, you don't have to stand in the long line and everything. You you're you're often hanging out with the folks from the studio who right. are also eager to see how their materials play in the room because this is the closest thing to a sort of target audience that you're going to ever find, you know, even if they are fans. Sometimes the movies that play well with them don't end up doing well at the theaters, things yeah. like The Watchmen or or, or Jumanji, you know, uh, no, what, what was it called? What's the John Favreau sequel to Jumanji? Zathura. Zathura, yes. That was an example of something that never, you know, never did well. Um, but people recognized what a good director he was. Well, and another one, what was the, God, the other Zack Snyder movie that the... Um, oh, I know. It, it's, yeah. you and I are both bad today. I'm going to, I'm going to... Um, it's it's the one with with the women in in, in ponytails. Um, 
<laughs> Sucker Punch. <laughs> Thank you. Punch, which was so well received when it made, you know, its footage debut at Hall H many years ago. And then the movie came out and it did terribly and no one liked it. And it's sort of, you know, at least on my Twitter feed, it's kind of a running joke when something gets a lot of hype at Hall H, people will sort of uh, recycle and retweet tweets from, you know, Sucker Punch saying like, well, look what happened with Sucker Punch. So... You know, the hype. You can't always buy the hype. Well, what's interesting, exactly. I mean, for a, I will give you a, a perfect Comic-Con example. I mean, when they announced Batman versus Superman a mm. few years ago, it was Kevin Sujihara having just taken over at Warner Brothers. It was a huge, you know, um, guns across the bow kind of, you know, we're taking on Marvel, you know, kind of, kind of move, big structural uh, Warner Brothers DC move. And my eye blink moment there, unlike all the other fanboys, was that's not going to be good. <laughs> you know, it just, I just could tell, I mean, because it was not about an organic story that had somehow right. bubbled up from, from somewhere that was a good idea. It, would, it was about corporate com- competition. And, and they never made it into a good movie. And I don't think that putting Zack Snyder in charge of, of their Superman, Batman universe is, is, has ever been a really good idea. They're lacking that Kevin Feige character who, yeah. you know, really not only understands the canon, but knows how to make good movies. And I mean, really, you know, obviously knows the material, has an affection for the material. I mean, everyone always says, oh, I want it to be the best it can be, but... I don't know. I feel like Feige is on a different level when it comes to this stuff. And you can see that in every Marvel movie they make. That's true. So the Marvel panel will be a big panel. That's going to be on Saturday. And then there is a Warner Brothers panel on Saturday as well. So those are the sort of two biggest uh, studio uh, events. But there's also they're showing Snowden tonight. Um, mm. And there's a Snowden panel, and and it's it's at, so Oliver Stone's Snowden goes to Comic Con. Now I, I I think this is very odd. It's Open Road, um, the company that gave you the Oscar winner spotlight. Um, I don't understand why they think they need the Comic Con hordes to see Snowden. What are, what are they looking for when they do that? I mean, when I saw this panel and then the secret screening was announced, I had the same reaction. I didn't really get it. And as you know, someone, obviously Oliver Stone is very outspoken, outspoken about things and has always been. And I just saw him a few weeks ago at the Nantucket Film Festival where he did two different events where sort of the theme of both ended up being, wow, Snowden was really hard to make and the studios didn't want to make it. And I had trouble getting it financed and taking that kind of narrative to Comic-Con he this often puts himself in the position of the sort of victimized yes. artist. Yes. You know, that's Oliver Stone's sort of default. He's a very talented filmmaker. I am a huge, huge fan of his skills as a filmmaker. And I'm interested in seeing Snowden. But it, there must be some calculation involved in the marketing of this to the fanboys that I don't follow exactly. I, mean, I have no doubt that, you know, anything that he does or says will be very entertaining. But... It does not seem to be the right audience for it. But, I mean, maybe maybe you and I will be proven very, very wrong. Well, look, the Weinsteins took uh, Django Unchained down there. Wow. They, 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 they took, uh, you know, they're, they're, they took the Hateful Eight. They, they like, you know, marketing to, 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 the, to the 
hordes down there. I, call, I keep calling them that. There are a lot of smart, happy cinephiles down there who, who would maybe become part of, of, of a movie audience. All right, so onward. The next thing I want to talk about is Don't Think Twice, which is opening, mm -hmm. which, um, again, I owe you a story <laughs> on. And uh, uh, I we were at South By. Uh, Don't Think Twice was... Um, debuted there it's Mike Verbiglia's follow-up uh to his 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 last uh sleepwalking movie w mm -hmm. which which I didn't like that much actually but I loved this one I thought it was called sleepwalk with me and it was uh, produced by Ira Glass of this American Life fame and I think this is a very funny sophisticated delightful entertaining movie and um uh, I, I really, what, what do you think? I agree with all of those words. And I think also one of the things um, that it really addresses in such a smart and you feel that it's personal way is about, you know, wanting to succeed at your chosen craft and maybe realizing that it's not going to happen, especially when it starts happening to people around you. It's in about, this case, it's yeah. about improvisational group mm -hmm. comedy. Right, and it's about one of their members. Uh, Played by? Well, I mean, I think they're trying to keep it a secret who it is. Who, oh, that's true, yeah, actually. Yeah. I did an interview with Glass and Berbiglia, and I blurted out this, this whole thing, <laughs> this whole plot strand, which you would think everyone would be talking about. Right. And they, oh, they got very upset and wanted me to take it out. I mean, what I've been, my feeling is that they don't want people to know but and when I saw the movie, I was sort of surprised. One of their members gets called up to go to star on Weekend Live, which is very obviously Saturday Night Live, and becomes, I mean, in their eyes, a huge success and has this job that they've, you know, are all striving to get. And it sort of, you know, tears apart the group in different ways as they all realize this happened for him. It's not going to happen for me. What does that mean? Should I be doing something different? Am I a failure at this thing that I love so much? And I, But it's still also very funny, and that's a really hard balance to strike. And I think Rubiglia does a wonderful job with it, and I think it's a wonderful film, and I hope a lot of people see it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Absolutely. So, um, and then the other, the other movie that I'm sort of curious to talk to you about, which has been out, it opened last weekend, is Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. um, I finally caught up with that and saw... Um, what everybody was talking about, which is basically they have, you know, Paul Feig, who I'm a big fan of. I liked The Heat. I liked Spy. I like what he does with Melissa McCarthy and or Sandra Bullock, you know, whoever he's working with. Um, this is a what I would call a totally commercial, accessible, entertaining comedy that happens to star four women in roles that used to be played by four men. These are all top flight com comic actresses. Um, and my favorite and the breakout, of course, uh, is Kate McKinnon. Uh, what, what, was, what was your, are you a, a, a thumbs up or thumbs down on this? I'm a thumbs up. I think it's really funny. I think that that's one of the things that's sort of been lost in this narrative about, you know, a lot of people uh, reacting strongly against women taking on these roles. The movie to me is very funny. And I think that there's some sort of bumps and burbles, especially in the third act, where it's clear that, you know, some sort of snippy editing was done. But the movie's funny and they're great in it. And of course, Kate McKinnon is the breakout. She's absolutely delightful. And I think that if 
people have a problem with this movie before they see it. I, I think that, I mean, I always think people should see a movie before they judge it, but it's fun. I agree. Completely fun. But I also disagree with the people who would like it to somehow be a different movie. This happens all the time. You know, you, you know, well, why didn't they make it smarter and more intelligent and more, more cerebral and kind of thing? And I'm like, this is a dumb comedy, folks. Yeah. The original was a dumb comedy. And I would like to suggest to you that, in, you know, the, the original was not a great movie. You know, let's let's be honest. Harold Ramis, a ver- I loved him. I thought he was a very funny um, writer and and could be very funny director. But not we're, we're not talking about you know uh, an A list auteur here. We're we're talking about mainstream dumb comedy. And you know, to the extent that uh, that this is in that genre, it probably improves on the original. I hate to say it. I mean, I was watching a little bit of the original. I think it was on last night or the night before. And I mean, it's just funny the things that people latch on to and sort of, you know, herald as this is untouchable. How dare you? And I think that the original Ghostbusters is a prime example of that. I mean, it's fun and it's funny, but it's not this masterpiece that should never be touched by anyone. And I find some of the responses that we've seen and heard over the past few months are disgusting but they're also just sort of bonkers i don't really get it well it's an and it's a it's a, a revelation i mean we're all finding out in many ways um you know in the world of donald trump if if nowhere else we're all fi- you know we're i mean also the the racism that has been revealed yeah. is is horrifying to me um you know that there's this lovely actress has been driven off of 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 Facebook because because of, of all the of all the hate that 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 came on on her. I, I, I cannot begin to to understand how how people you know they're anonymous. I mean we know Leslie Jones is is a terrific actress and she's fine and and it's interesting. It, like if you take the four characters, you know you've got you've got the leader Melissa McCarthy who's this sort of enthusiastic you know let's go we we got to do this kind of you know rah rah cheerleader and then you have the sort of reluctant brainy scientist low key uh you know Kristen Wiig and then you've got the inventor sort of the the Q if you like the <laughs> wacky brainiac inventor uh played you know just hilariously by Kate McKinnon what Leslie Jones is is the muscle. She's yeah. the she's the one who who's intimidating and 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 can and can stare down people and be strong and and in a in a masculine kind of way. And I, I wonder if if she just isn't sort of threatening to people. Well, and the other thing that I love about her character, and that so many people when they're talking about the movie seem to forget, one of her great traits is that she is a lover of New York history. Right. She just, she has this, you know, and I think that we could have seen more of that in the film, but she has, you know, a knowledge base that these sort of science geeks that the other girls are don't have. And so she can come in and and use that. And I certainly hope and expect that they're going to do a sequel. And I'd love to see more of that in the sequel. They say they are. I mean, it hasn't been officially announced, but the distribution chief Rory Brewer told the rap that he uh, expected them to to do so. And it opened respectably, modestly well, not super great. So we do want to see how it holds this weekend. 
I mean, I'd love to see more. And I know, like, obviously the end of the movie, as so many of these blockbusters do, they hint very firmly to what the next movie could be about. So I would love to see a sequel. And I think they would figure out, by the way, Amy Pascal, you know, the ex-chairman of Sony was the producer. I think they would figure out what to do, you know, that what worked, what didn't work, what they could improve on. And uh, I I applaud them all. So I'm heading off to um, the Midwest. I'm going to go to Michael Moore's Traverse City Film Festival next week, which this year is focused on a main bar uh, competition of women directors, right. 32 women directors. Uh, what are you up to, Kate? What's on your docket? Well, uh, later this afternoon, I'm going to actually see uh, The Light Between Oceans. Mm. I know. It doesn't come out until September, but they're doing some screenings. And Are you supposed to talk about it? <laughs> I, I think I can say that I'm seeing it. I mean, no one can stop me from that. So that's... Uh, that's they, the they invited me, but I'm missing it while I'm out of town. So I'll, I'll catch up with it eventually. It'll be playing the fall festivals. Yeah, I'm eager to, to see. Um, and then next week is Suicide Squad. So very interested to see that's there. an example of a yeah. movie that played uh they, they they introduced some footage last year mm-hmm. at comic-con and i thought it looked fantastic I, I mean it played very very well in the house very comedic some of its thunder has been stolen a little bit by deadpool both of those films played well and deadpool turned out to be the sort of irreverent r-rated marvel movie over at fox that that played you know really well couldn't be a disney movie but right. suicide squad is the dc version with you know with the mon- you know the bad guys being brought to heel by viola davis <laughs> to uh to go after the joker played by jared leto i mean it's got a hell of a cast i mean obviously viola davis and then you know margot robbie who i just love and i think is so funny and you what know, did you think of her in tarzan i didn't see tarzan no you've got to go I- well, I, I mean, women I like Tarzan. This is the secret. <laughs> this is the thing. The, you know, they're all they're trying so hard to have you know Tarzan fight the ape and all the the money the money they spent on all the action sequences. This is not what people want. Is me Tarzan, you Jane? That's true. Well, and she's. I mean, and they're she's good. Wonderful. Um, okay, I'm going to put it on my. You must, it. you okay. must see this. It's an imperfect movie to say the least, but you might like it more than you think. Okay, go ahead. So um, Margot Robbie, I think, is great. So Margot, aren't you going to try to talk to her? I'm going to try to talk to her. Uh, I have the request in, so we will see. I would love to speak to her because, I mean, her career is obviously accelerating at a very rapid rate, but she's also she's dipping her toe into producing, and so she's obviously very invested in in making good things. And that's nice to see from someone of her age and sort of of her heat level in terms of her acting career. Well, she's not just a babe is the point. Yeah. She has, she's, she's not a, a good babe. actress. I mean, Martin Scorsese put her, put her in the Wolf of Wall Street. By the way, there's a whole thing going on about that in terms mm-hmm. of uh, Red Granite and the financiers from Malaysia. I knew there was something fishy going on. I mean, we, I keep seeing these headlines. I'd love for you to dig into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How much, how much bandwidth have we got here? But yeah, I want to know more. Um, 
And uh, all right, well, we are off. Uh, thank you for joining uh, this week's podcast. It was a pleasure. I really Thanks enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. It's always nice to talk to you about things. Okay, bye-bye, Kate. <laughs> Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.